Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does, they charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. American Glutton Podcast has a Patreon. Do you hate commercials? Well, we've got a Patreon. Do you want bonus episodes? That's on the Patreon. Do you want to hang out and chat in our Discord channel? That's part of the Patreon, too. We even have an option where you can leave me voicemails. All on the Patreon. So check it out today. Patreon.com slash American Glutton. We have a Patreon. Hi, I'm Ethan Suplee. Welcome to American Glutton. Outside of acting, my two favorite things to do are diet and eat. I have a very complicated relationship with food, and on this podcast, we're going to talk about all of it. Food as entertainment. Food as sport. Food as fuel. I'll talk to experts and the average person, just like you and me. I hate to ask you to do anything, but if you're enjoying the show... Please take a moment to like, subscribe, rate, review, all of the above on whatever app you're getting it from. American Glutton is brought to you by Trifecta. Trifecta is the perfect tool for diet and maintenance adherence. It reduces time, thought, and effort in making sure I am never without the food I need to succeed. Go to www.trifectanutrition.com slash American Glutton where you will get 40% off your first order. My guest today is Richard Kerr, co-author of The Binge Code. Richard and his wife, Ali, have helped thousands of people end their struggle with binge eating and bulimia. He's here to share his science-based program that helps one overcome their cravings, feel in control, and lose unwanted weight. You can find Richard at bingecode.com. Richard Kerr, welcome to the American Glutton Podcast. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. I am fascinated by your book, The Binge Code. And I want to talk to you about that. I, I want to know, you know, I, I definitely was a binge eater and uh, and I would do it mostly in private. I didn't also, I don't know the proper way to phrase this, but I was not bulimic. Is Do you find that those two things are fairly integrated like most people who binge eat are bulimic or is that or can they be very distinctly separate things 
I would say there's a lot of similarities, um, but the, the only real difference between someone who's a binge eater and someone who's bulimic is they decide to purge their food afterwards. So often someone who's a binge eater, after a binge episode, they may decide to restrict their food intakes. They might need food for the next day or fast. Um, where with someone with bulimia, they just choose to purge the food. So they vomit the food up. And it's not that big a difference, to be honest. And it surprises me how differently they're treated as well. People think, you know, as soon as you purge your food, you're in a completely different landscape and it's Right. It's not the same behavior, but I I do believe they're they're really quite close. Yeah, they're they're like if there's a giant spectrum on how we treat food, those two things are 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 fairly mm -hmm. uh, close together. And then, you know, in 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 looking at it, have did you encounter many people who just became so um, apathetic towards the idea of escaping that pattern that they you know, whatever shame they would feel. Um, I, you know, I'm saying all this because this was my experience, this, this, this mm. kind of shame at, at your behavior, the behavior becomes so commonplace and normal that you're just like, I'm just going to experience shame for being alive. And this behavior is just the way I express being alive. Absolutely. 100%. Um, and there's, there's, there's an interesting pattern to explain why that is the case. Um, because if you find yourself binging on food, if you go on a diet or any diet to have food rules and what you should and shouldn't do, and if it's a restrictive diet, you tend to start to trigger these side effects where you get more hunger, more powerful hunger, you might trigger starvation mode. And you might find yourself experiencing these really powerful urges to eat lots of food. And generally, it's the food that you're not supposed to eat. I mean, no one binges on salads. So it could be you know, refined carbohydrates, chocolate, whatever. And then as soon as you do break this food rule, you've kind of gotten this black and white thinking, well, I've started now, so I might as well continue. And you may think to yourself, well, I might change my mind tomorrow, maybe in a different mindset. So tonight, what I've allowed myself to do this, I want to take advantage of this situation. So a diet can set someone up definitely to be in the mind frame where they want to maximize the potential to eat as much food as possible in a short time as possible. So you wake up the next day and you think to yourself, what have I done? I, I have not managed to stick to my diet. So you're beating yourself up already. And we're sold this image. You, you see the images ever everyone being super successful on diets and they make it look so easy. And that's what I love about your podcast, Ethan, is you really explain the challenges of diets. There is a lot of challenges and mental mindset stuff that goes along with it, but they don't realize this. So they're blaming themselves. There's a lot of guilt. There's a lot of shame. Why am I not good enough to stick to a diet? And we often find the people that come to us, they tend to be really successful in other areas of their life. And they just can't get a handle on this diet. And they're not realizing it's just their body responding to the diet because perhaps they're not doing it right or doing it too strict. So often then they'll think to themselves the next day, I'm going to try even harder to be better on this diet. I'm going to be cleaner, more stricter. And of course, it doesn't work that way because if they're, again, like they said, if they're restricting under their body's needs, um, if they're not eating enough food, if they trigger starvation, well, they're going to experience these powerful cravings. And we kind of say it's like holding your breath for three minutes. I mean, you can have the most willpower in the world, but your body's survival mechanism is going to kick in. It's going to make you breathe. Right. And it's the same if you don't have enough water. You know, if your thirst kicks in, all you're going to think about is I must have water. And it's the same with food. Only it's kind of slower and less obvious. But if you under eat for a period of time, eventually you're going to kick off this primal need to eat. 
and it's more powerful than your willpower to resist. It just really is. So then they find themselves binging again, and they're really confused because they were so determined not to do this behavior. And then they don't know what they can do. So then they go the next day, they go, I'm going to try even harder to be more on this diet. And it just, they're stuck in this cycle of restriction and binging and restriction and binging. And no matter how hard they try to resist, they can't because it's a survival mechanism to eat some food. Now, this isn't for everybody, but for definitely there's a percentage of the population when they eat and they go on a diet, they experience these primal hungers that are just overwhelming. Like every fiber of their body wants to eat food and it's just, they just can't resist it. Well, I think also um, the, uh, an important thing here, and and for me, it's it's uh, strictly anecdotal and strictly from like my experience communicating with other people about this. But like for the longest time, I considered that the diet would solve me because my biggest issue was that I needed to lose weight, and I never once, for many years, looked at my own behavior and and. You know, because I would experience that I would restrict food on on in various ways, either very, very extremely or um, entirely restricting into food groups. And and then once that period was done and I achieved the result that I thought made me a normal person or as close to normal as I was ever going to get, I would eventually fall back into my own habits. So there wasn't ever, a, a, or, or, you know, there is very much now, and there has been very much in the last few years, but there wasn't a long period going like, what were the um, behaviors and habits that got me to the place that I'm at? And what happens if I really examine those things? Like, I like binge eating, and you're absolutely right. Like, I would never binge eat celery. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, I could yep. maybe binge eat celery if you covered it in peanut butter and raisins and honey <laughs> or blue cheese dressing, like in that sense. Mm. But really, it's just like a spoon to get that other stuff into me. Um, but I have now in this uh, uh, iteration of myself tried to binge eat celery and you kind of get to a place where you're like your body goes like I've had enough celery and yeah. you're not you're Don't not you can. you're not dying. You're not like. You know, I, I actually really enjoyed the feeling of no more room in my stomach. I I needed Mm. to get to that place. And if I ate slowly, that, that feeling came sooner without having consumed enough. And so I felt like I missed out on consuming something. So I ate very quickly and just wanted to get as much in there as possible. And then there's this like, almost euphoric sensation with being completely overstuffed, you know? And, Mm -hmm. and so actively working against that feeling that I associate with feeling good is tough. Yeah. So you're talking about the kind of euphoria, the binge high that comes from consuming lots of food. You get a lot of sugar going through your system and studies do show what triggers off like endorphins and happy chemicals, especially if you've been depriving yourselves of these foods and you give yourself all once. So, I mean, that, that's definitely the case. And that that's, can be a knock-on effect, again, from a restrictive diet. If you don't give yourself, for example, a chocolate bar or any chocolate for two months, three months, it's going to start looking a lot more tasty whenever you do see a chocolate bar. And you've had, you're starting to complicate your relationship with food. 
Um, where before it was just a bar of chocolate. Now it's this thing that you worship and you're like, you're craving and you're feeling deprived of and it's more special than ever before. And then when you do break your food rules and you allow yourself chocolate, there's a part of you that's actually just nourishing yourself, going, you know, you deserve to have this thing that you've craved and why are you depriving yourself? And life's tough enough. This last few years have been crazy. You know what I mean? People are just trying their best to get by. So it's really understandable. It's really understandable how that can happen. Um, and again, again, I know you you you're, are, have been successful at diets, but I do believe, you know, the dieting culture does have a lot to say for in complicating these relationships people have with food. And I know your personal story. I think you mentioned. I totally uh, agree with like you. Five or six, you were put on your first diet, and I'm sure that did complicate the relationship. So what we try to do here with the binge code is really bring it back. And try to get all that bullshit away, all that anxiety, stress, fear, worry, concern, food rules to do with food and try to get it back to your body and a simple relationship with the food itself. Um, so all we want to get to your place where you're just tuning into your hunger and you're craving foods that are going to make you feel good. And then while you're eating, you're paying attention to the food and, and being realizing what foods work for you personally best because everyone's kind of got their own unique eating foods. Um, so what we try to do is really simplify all that way down. That's what we do. Simplify, simplify, simplify. That's it's a complicated landscape out there. Dude, it's so complicated. And I love what you're talking about and, 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 and working towards because this has been, for me, one of the hardest areas because like th- these um, signals, I think of like, I think of like a normal person, right? I call people normal people. I don't mean it to be insulting, but I just think like people who can have a beer, I'm a sober guy. So people who can have a beer are normal people in that sense. And people who, you know, are not compelled to overeat are normal people in that sense. I just imagine the average. Now we're moving more and more towards where that's not going to be the normal, the normal, at least in, you know, Western culture is going to be more of the people who are mm-hmm. binge eating. Probably it seems like that is growing. So that's fair. Um, but like this, this thing of like f- trying to get in tune with your body and figure out what foods work for your body and what you're having cravings for and, and how hungry you actually are. This is a really hard thing to do. I've found like it takes a lot of, like really paying attention and paying attention in situations where uh, in the past for me, everything was done compulsively. So to try to like strip that away and just like be present, what does my body want for real, you know, versus, you know, because I, I could, I could say like, what, what I, what, what will make me feel best right now is if I hydrated and drank a lot of water, but I'm looking at people drinking beer and my body's saying drunkenness would be fun. And so, you know, Mm -hmm. there's, there's, you got to navigate through these ideas a little bit. So absolutely great points. Um, So one of the, the point you talked about about being normal is such a big thing for us too, because people come to us and the last thing they think they are is normal um, we've had people have issues for 20, 30, 40 years, but really you are normal. And it's just a very normal, natural side effect of how a body works It's biology. You know what I mean? And if you start binging on food, you're releasing those happy chemicals and then you're forming a habit, a very nor- normal, natural habit. And it's exactly same as someone who will have a stressful day at work and come home and want a glass of wine or someone's stressed to have a cigarette. It's those same associations. 
So we like to bring that back to the biology. It's not them. It's just natural how their body works. So it's kind of a good starting place for them. But yeah, you're right in terms of how to get to a place where you trust your body and your body is able to give you the correct signals and that you're confident in your body, ability to navigate the food landscape out there is, is a journey. Absolutely is a journey. And it's not the first step for people who come to us. We deal with people in the more extreme end who have been struggling with binge eating bulimia. So what, what we normally do, we're looking to do is looking to balance their body and looking to bring sort of structure and normality to their eating habits. So, you know, like we might say, start eating regular foods throughout the day, start balancing your blood sugar. So you might want to think about eating protein, fats, and carbs in each of your main meals. And we're really simplifying it down. We're not going to add much more rules than that. And you can pretty much eat whatever you want as long as you're trying to get some nutrition in there so your body's nourished. And we find even those simple steps, just eating regular foods, not letting yourself get too hungry, it starts to really calm the body down. Within four weeks to six weeks, you experience a massive reduction in those big cravings. So you start to come back into like normal hunger levels. Um, and at that stage, you can start to be mindful of the hunger. So you're still using the structure to keep it in place, but you, you're just tuning into your body. And this takes a couple of months, but as you become aware of your body, but still kind of following the plan, you start to understand what, how different foods work. And you can think, well, if I have protein for breakfast, I'm not so hungry later on. You know, you start to see, build the relationships and that's how you build your confidence over time by just paying attention. We call it insight eating because each time you eat, you should really start to gain knowledge from that meal. How did it make you feel? So nothing's off limits. You know, if you want to have a McDonald's or go get a burger, that's fine. Pay attention to the taste, pay attention to the experience. And then afterwards, an hour later, how did it make you feel? Are you right. satisfied? Are you hungry again? And you start to then figure out what works best for you that way. And it's very natural, very normal. And it's a skill that you get better at. But certainly starting off, it's like it's like you feel like you're climbing Mount Everest wearing a pair of sandals. You're like, I can't do this. It's just too much. Yeah, you can. You can just have to work your way there. I think what I think what you're talking about is super important because if you break it down into really small segments that are totally confrontable, you know, this is like um I would never tell somebody who's starting out at the gym or who's going to the gym the first time, like, yeah, just do my exercise routine. You know what I mean? Like I've been lifting weights now for almost 10 years. And, and so like, I think it would just be stupid to like, just like, Oh, do what I do makes no sense to me. I think there's gotta be a beginning point. And especially if you want to see somebody have long-term success, it should build gradually and you can add to it. And, and like, I remember when I, uh, was eating anything I wanted or, or, you know, um, binge eating daily, you know, out of sight of my friends end of the night, 2am and I'm going to the drive through and, and like buying food for six and going home and, and eating all of it. Right. Um, I never understood how that made me feel. Cause I kind of always felt like crap or, and, and, that was such a normal state that I couldn't even recognize that I felt like crap. That was just how I felt. Right. And so I think it's hard to get perspective if something is so normal and so commonplace, then it, 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 it's hard to go. You can go like, I would like to feel better, but I don't even recognize how poorly I feel. Right. So if you do this in, in a very slow gradient manner, I think you can sit there and go like now, 
I'm very aware if I eat something and then like need to take a nap a half an hour later, this is a disaster. Like this food becomes very quickly on a list of like stuff I don't want to eat anymore. Right. Cause I don't like feeling like that. Um, I even, to be honest with you, uh, enjoy the taste of this, like uh, very uh, low sugar, low fat ice cream. Right. But when I eat it at night, I always wake up feeling a little crummy and I can rationalize it by going like, well, you know, I didn't eat too many calories yesterday. I didn't have too much sugar. I didn't have too much fat. My day was still mostly protein, but I still wake up slightly hungover. And so Mm -hmm. I have to go like, shit, man, I'm going to limit this stuff. You know what I mean? Because this is just not That's a choice you can have. You can, you've made, it's an informed choice. Yeah. And sometimes maybe you might think caution to the wind. I'll just have it. Yeah. Cares how food tomorrow morning. That's fine too. Right. And that's the problem. There's no ultimately down the line. There's no clear cut right or wrong answer. It's it's a moment by moment thing, and it's a decision you have to make based on how you're feeling at that time. Sometimes we just need to eat the ice cream. You know what I mean? Sometimes shit's hit the window. We just need to time out. Other times, you know, you're in a place where you go. It's fine. I don't need that right now. But as long as we're doing it from the for the right reasons. Um, but your point, what you're saying about being numb. It, it is that's we have that all the time people come to us and i think perhaps even bulimia and that act of purging even makes people feel more numb and um it can be quite a journey to go through because uh we've had people who've like haven't really felt anything for like 20 30 years they're just kind of in this cloud yeah and i remember one person we had she sent me this email about how after doing her program and sort of it did take a long time because she was quite unwell, but she got to a place where she was feeling balanced with food and it started to rain. She out for a walk and she said it was the first time she ever felt rain on her face, like properly. And she started to cry, but she couldn't tell if it was rain or tears. And I was reading this email. I was, I was only crying. Reading this. Yeah. And that's the sort of thing. It's like, you know, that sometimes you are trapped in a cloud and, and it's hard to get perspective to see how you'd feel if you got out of that cloud and, and started open up. So absolutely. I get where you're coming from. Do you have, um, because I'm asked quite uh, frequently and, and like for me, I have no vested interest necessarily in um, convincing anybody to do anything. Like this is just not mm-hmm. what I'm super interested in doing. I, I, mostly because I found that for myself, none of the big changes that I made becoming sober and, and actually getting to a place where, uh, where I mattered enough to myself to want to have a, a long-term future and to be healthy and to just move through the universe or the, the topography of, of where I live more freely than I could at 550 pounds. Right. So it didn't come from people telling me they were concerned or, people telling me that they wanted me to have uh, a healthier lifestyle. Like it just didn't. Um, But I do think that uh, being around people uh, who, who were more interested in these things and, and surrounding myself, but do you have any um, things for uh, parents of children or uh, spouses or brothers and sisters that, that kind of, you utilize to help to at least say like, this is here when you're ready for it. So good. Very, very good question. Um, we've, we've been on situations for sure where parents come along and, and they suggest their children's or, you know, 18 over to come or friends have encouraged people to do the program. And honestly, 
it never works as well. And yeah. I do believe the person has to come from a place where they're ready for change. Yeah. Um, and sadly, sometimes that means they have to hit rock bottom before they go, you know what, this is just not working. And that idea to get them to a place where they really want to change, it can be challenging. We find for us, you know, the older someone gets, there's a maturity that comes along with that. And they realize this isn't a life, uh, an ideal way to live their life. But certainly the younger someone is, the more susceptible they are to culture and um, the diet mindset and all these people on TikTok looking at these beautiful people. And the younger they are, I think it's more challenging to get them to a place where they really actually do want to commit to your recovery program. For friends and family, um, we do, we, I think the best thing we can do is just educate them and let them know that it's not really their fault and explain how they how the culture and dieting and restricting food intake has these side effects that can lead to this. So not go too harsh on them. And really, I mean, the best thing that can be is just to be a supportive voice, a supportive place for them to chat, not to overwatch them too much or force them to do anything, but just to know that if they need to lean back on them for extra support, they're there. Um, but honestly, I think the journey does really begin from a deep down choice for someone who, who makes a decision they want to change. And I think that's where it starts. Yeah, I, that's my that's my intuition also. And, and that was also that's how I've seen it happen as many times as I have seen it happen. And that's how I experienced it. And and I've had, you so, know, so that's what I would like to. So how did how did you progress from the binge eating to to getting that in place? I well, you know, I think the binge eating really was um, kind of something I developed doing because food was restricted from me at such a young age um, that I would just try to um, sneak food as quickly as possibly out of sight of adults, right? Started when I was mm-hmm. five. So they started telling me, uh, my my parents and grand- first my grandparents and then my parents at five, like you're overweight, you now can't eat as much as you want. And so they would portion me food and it was always like, well, no, I want more than this. So when they'd be out of sight, I would just cram as much into my mouth and swallow it, you know, practically not even chewing, you know, swallowing mm-hmm. full bites of food. Um, and so that just became my habit. So then when I, when I lived for 20 years doing that, and then suddenly I was on my own, it was like, oh, now I can just go and buy all this food and sit and eat it. And like, nobody can tell me what no one can stop me. Yeah. Um, so when I got to a place where I, on my own wanted a change, this was not where I started looking, right? It was not at habits and behaviors. It was at, oh, I'm X amount of pounds. I was 500, over 500 pounds and I just need to lose weight. And it took many swings of what you were talking about where I'm now restricting food for so long that when I come out of it, I'm kind of out of control getting back up. You know, I never went back to 500 pounds, but the, from like 300 to 450 pounds, I made that, I I crossed that chasm and went back like five times. And, and it was always that pattern. Like I'll restrict food very severely. And then when I come out of it, I'm going to eat until I'm 
have gained weight again and go like, how the fuck did I get to this place again? Um, that's super common because the idea is if you go on a diet, eventually you're going to come off the diet, and then what happens then? Right, and, and, and that, to- yeah, I, I never, I never had, I was never thinking about uh, then. It was always just, I just need to diet, right? And and there was almost mm-hmm. like a self-flagration, like uh, like a penance, like I need to harm myself in another way. I'm harming myself by overeating, and now I need to suffer, and it needs to be. Uh, you know, like this um, really hard, painful thing that I'm doing to myself because I'm bad. You know, that was all part of it, too. It's also stupid. Um, but when I started going like, wait a second, I can lose weight. Like, it's really it's not that hard to lose weight. It's like a, a month of low energy, a month of being cold and almost blacking out when I stand up like I can do that. I've done that. 30 times now. Like I I know I can do that. It gets harder and harder to confront starting something like that, but I can do that. And then I just was really trying to go over how do I keep ending up needing to do this again? Like what, what is it? And it was really just my habits and behaviors around food the majority of the time. And so it was like, Oh, I, I don't actually need to diet in the restrictive sense as much as I do need to focus on what diet in the sense of just the stuff you eat um, for, for the rest of my life. Like, how do I do that? And and there was a period of time where I just thought like, oh, I'm allergic to carbohydrates. Right. And so if I just decide I'll never eat carbohydrates again, this will solve it. Didn't solve it. It was really more getting down into the nitty gritty of like, what does my body need for fuel and what am I putting into it and what do I want from my body and how do I achieve all these things? And then when I got to a point where it was like, I'm now at a weight I I'm, I would ha- happily be at forever. How do I maintain this? And so looking at maintenance and having to sit there and going, this is a balanced meal. I'm going to eat this slowly and I'm going to try to quiet all the madness in my mind and pay attention to what my body's telling me. And I still eat too quickly most of the time. And I still just like, you know, make my food and get it into me. And I'm not hyper-focused on flavor and pleasure out of food, but for the times where I'm sitting down with people, I want to, I want to try to pay attention to my body as much as possible. And, and I am much better now at waking up, feeling hungover from food and being able to recognize it. And also because I exercise so much, I'm far more adept at seeing like, for me, if I eat carbohydrates before or after a workout, I feel great. I feel, you know, wonderful. I have more energy in the gym. If I ate a big, uh, you know, plate of pasta in the middle of the afternoon and then sat and watched TV, I would probably fall asleep. And so knowing that it's like, okay, well, I never will do that. The the pasta either comes after a workout or it's very, very small. You know what I mean? It's a small amount of pasta or a small amount of potatoes or rice or whatever my carb is that they are bread. But if it's going to be a lot, it's going to be before or after a workout. And then on days where I don't exercise, I get more fats and less carbs and I feel great that day too, you know? So it's just been a lot of trial and error. I would very much agree with that. Um, the, the point is your body's always communicating with you. 
And most people don't listen. They just don't listen to their body. They don't listen to their hunger. It's a problem. They want to get rid of it because it's interfering with their diet. And we, we always think like binge, a binge craving is your way of, your body tries to communicate with you via hunger. You ignore that. So it starts to scream at you. As you're yelling at you, trying to grab your attention, saying it needs this. And it sounds like you're really doing that now. You're paying attention to your body. And that's giving you the knowledge and the wisdom to know exactly what should work for you moving forward. So that's great. Yeah, I, I will say, you know, being a sober guy and um, trying to be as much of a realist as possible and having uh, relapsed many years ago um, and, and, and really doing battle with drugs and alcohol and really also doing battle with food for an even longer period of time, if I'm being completely frank, I am of the mindset like, and I still notice it. These uh, inclinations are always still right there. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. <laughs> in my head, there are definitely nights, like not so much when I'm around my wife and kids, but I travel for work. And like, if there's, you know, late night pizza or something like that, and I'm alone and like that urge is still there to harm myself with food. I don't, the urge obviously isn't harm yourself with food. It's like, you'll feel better if you eat all that right now and you're alone mm-hmm. and nobody's watching and, and you're lonely and this could make you feel good. You've had a hard day. You know what I mean? Like that's all still exists. I think with diligence and as a practice of life, I've, I've been able to kind of beat that more than it beats me in the last handful of years. I mean, that makes sense. Your, your, your body knows the quickest fix to, if you're in a situation that was uncomfortable, your body goes, you know what, I'll fix this pretty handily. And it knows like alcohol, drugs, food can can numb your emotions and give you a time out and a break. So that, that's where these cravings do come from. Um, but there is a way of kind of like, what we try to teach in our program anyways, to get this space where you can build your resilience to be a little bit more comfortable with feeling uncomfortable. Does that make sense? Sure. Um, to be a bit more accepting with your emotions, a little bit of self-compassion. And these are all kind of the high-end concepts that takes a while to get there. But, you know, often we can often believe that people are harshing themselves just for feeling the way, you know, oh my God, I'm feeling the need to do this. I feel the need for a cigarette or drink or food, whatever it is. And then just because they felt this need, they feel the need to beat themselves up for even feeling that. Oh, why did I, why am I feeling this? What's right. wrong with me? And then they're, then they're doubling down, make themselves feel worse and they get into a spiral. Like a normal person wouldn't think this way. I must be some freak. And it just gets worse and worse. So eventually they end up do, doing whatever they need to do. But it, there, there is, you know, the idea that we're, feelings are just feelings. Thoughts are just thoughts. We don't really have super control over them. And if we're able to step back just a little bit, just to give a little bit of space and go, it is what it is. It's here now. It probably won't be here in half an hour, an hour. You know, if we just let it sit and let it go with emotion, I think that can help as a sort of mindset and mind frame to not get too caught up on whatever you're experiencing. Um, that's that's what we do anyway. That I know I love that, and that's um, basically what kept me sober for a long time. And 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 it was it was like this this is a moment, you know. And and like in AA, they say a day at a time, take it a day at a time. Mm-hmm. And and like I think that's super powerful, and I think it can be. 
Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. shrunk down to a moment or a second or and just the idea that if you have um the understanding that uh you have existed in a time and place where this thing wasn't wrecking you right this urge wasn't uh more powerful than you then you kind of get more comfortable knowing that you'll get back to a moment in time and place right if it's real to you that like I have beaten this urge before, even if it's for a second, then maybe the next mm-hmm. second will be stronger. And so like, I like that. Yeah. Beat this. We, we, but we, you know, as you say, we try to get the body back in balance between this structured program, but whilst we're doing that, people often do experience binge urges continually. So again, back to this idea of simplicity. So some of the tips we'd give for some, and these are the simplest things in the world, but like one of them is just give it 10 minutes. You know, don't act just now. Give it 10 minutes. You know, science and research proves that 10 minutes, the craving can go down a lot. And you're not saying to yourself, no, I cannot do that. But just seeing where you're going to be another 10 minutes time can be a great relief for people. And then at that, after those 10 minutes, they might give themselves another 10 minutes more. In terms of feeling more confident about dealing with the, with the feelings, Another strategy, it's very simple, is to rate your discomfort from a scale of one to 10. So 10 being the most uncomfortable thing in the world, like you've broken your leg or you're giving birth and zero being nothing. And often you find when you actually rate whatever you're feeling on a scale, it's not like in terms of just how your body's feeling, not with your mind. It's not usually that bad. It's just like maybe getting out of bed in a cold morning or something like that, right. or a cold shower. So it's something they go, you know what, actually... When your imagination isn't getting caught up in it and your worries and your concerns and your thoughts and you step back a bit and just feel it as a physical sensation in your body, the craving sometimes, sometimes it is strong, but some of the times it's not as bad as you think it is. And again, this is just little ways to give distance and space from that so you don't get so caught up in it. Yeah, I like that. I, I also like when you talked about it's going to be uncomfortable. I, I also started to like really put life in perspective in that way and and realizing just how uncomfortable I was in literal terms at the weight I was at. And while I was eating the way I was eating 20 years ago, that discomfort, I kept trading for this immediate comfort of food. And when I, when I get to today and like any discomfort I'm trading 
for the amount that I'm actually more comfortable, it pales in comparison. So I'm so much less uncomfortable today in a, in a slightly different way, but but I'm so much more comfortable in general terms that it's like, because mm-hmm. th- there was never a point where I was eating the way I was that I was just always comfortable, right? It was this numbing effect that had uh, the sense of comfort to me, but for the most part, I was dramatically more uncomfortable than I am today. And so now those moments of discomfort where it's like, I, you know, there's a McDonald's not far from my house. I pass it all the time. And like, I can't lie and say, I never want to go in there. I want to go in there sometimes. And I want to eat, you know, four Big Macs and a, a gigantic order of fries. Um, So the moment that I'm weighing life and going, it's uncomfortable to not do that is, is so much smaller than it is like, well, no, if I do that, how am I going to feel afterwards? That discomfort's actually going to be greater than this discomfort. Mm-hmm. What's, what's more uncomfortable, the feeling afterwards of doing it or not doing it now and then enjoying feeling better afterwards? Yeah, exactly. exactly. For sure, you're going to feel better if you don't. And that's, that's the, the only way you can get that real knowledge is by what you've sounded like, you've, you've, you've strengthened that relationship with your body. You're in tune with your body. You're now responding to it. And that's wisdom, that's insight, that's knowledge that your body's telling you exactly. Look, you might want that as a minor craving, but tomorrow, trust me, you won't. Yeah. Yeah, no, no. I think that it, really helps. It, it, it's, 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 it's a radical perspective ch- shift, but it is something that when you're inside of, uh, of it, when you're inside of binge eating or overeating or, or whatever it is, being morbidly obese or this, again, I'm, all of this is framed through my experience, right? I'm not speaking objectively for anyone. I don't know what everybody's feeling, but I know that I couldn't, this, 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 this comfort, this idea was like, no, this is normal. And I will feel better if I do that. And everything else just sucks for the most part. And so Mm -hmm. having gotten that food out of my system, it really, that didn't take long to recognize, you know, even from when I was, um, one of the first like diets I did, which was a hugely calorically restrictive diet. Um, when I came out of it, I would have these crazy reactions to certain food types, like where I'd like suddenly start blinking and my eyes would get uh, blurry, right? Like just from eating something. And it was so weird. But, and even then I didn't go, well, I shouldn't eat that anymore if it's causing this reaction. You know what I mean? It took me a long time to go but, like, that stuff doesn't agree with me. But you know, the, the, the knowledge we've gained the last 20 years, I mean, the nineties was all about no fat, you know what I mean? And that's what everyone was doing. And there's such a big side effect from that. You, need, you know, it turns out the body pretty much does need some fat to function. It absolutely um, needs fat. You have to, by the and way. We, and then we got, and then we have no carbs. Right. And, and it, some of these do work for some people, but for a lot of people, and this is what I'd like to stress in this podcast is for a lot of people, they're going to have massive negative side effects from this because it just doesn't work for their body type. And it's really good to reiterate that because you've got to let people know it's not their fault, not their problem. Stop blaming themselves. It's the actual diet. It's what they're doing. It's the action. So, Anyway, I think that's so important because people come to us, they've lost all hope. We're, we're usually the last chance saloon of going to make this work because I don't know what else is going to work. Right. Um, and we're like, yes, there's, there's still hope. You know what I mean? And you just have to identify, 
it's not you. It's these actions you're taking that's just not working for your body. And like you say, our simple program is just about protein, fats, and carbs for each meal. How simple is that? Just to get you to that place of balance, and then we can move forward. Um, but yeah, absolutely. But it's good. It's encouraging. The world's moved on. I do believe the knowledge improved, um, and the diets have gotten, I think, a bit more responsible and. I think I, I I would hope, but Within reason. Yeah, coming from LA, there's still always oh. a new fad, you know, where it becomes like this one. This one will be the one that works. Yeah, no, if this, you this, just this, no, this one, this one definitely right. One if you works. just stop eating seed oils, that's it. That's all you have to do. No more seed oils. That's the only problem. You can eat as much of everything else as you want and you can binge eat as long as there's no seed oils. And it's like, it's not, that's not the thing or lectins were big. And it's like, just if you just shave your cucumber skin off, right. And take the pits out, right. Like as long as you're only eating the, the meat of the cucumber, you'll be fine, you know, and, and, and you got to take the skin off your peppers. And it's like, guys, I, I really see so many iterations of these diets where it's like, they, pr- I think they prey on people, you know, because. Oh, for sure. I mean, I, it's not, it's not the truth. It's, and, it's um, easier to pick a food and say that food is the root cause of all my problems. And I'm never going to have to do any self-examination at all. Self-examination is really hard, right? Changing habits that you've had for your whole life. That's really real work. Mm-hmm. So for sure, like there's an appeal to, you know, people don't want to, like this idea I'm talking about, listening to your body and responding to that. It's not black and white. There's no clear answer. And you're going to make mistakes and you're going to mess up. And then you learn from that as you're going on. But that's work. And it's much easier. Some people just go, just tell me what I need to do. Give me a diet, what I need to follow. And I don't have to think. I don't have to analyze. And it just takes all that pressure off. But of course, the big thing is it's not sustainable. So, so I always think the person you are when you go on a diet or decide to diet, you know, often you're motivated and you're excited and you're encouraged with this new thing. But people don't realize they're not the same person there that they might be in two weeks' time, you know, after a real shit day at work, stressed out, tired, and they're just having an off day and they're not their best selves. That's when it all goes out the window. That's when they forget about the diet, don't care, and they break the rules and this spirals onwards. So really, you need something that works on your off days. There's something that, you know, on my worst situation, I can still follow this and I'll be okay. Um, That's what really needs to be sustainable. Yeah. And, and I really like and appreciate what you're talking about as getting some some time to allow stuff to cool out. Right. Without being super restrictive, because I think that's when you can start to do that work. Right. Start to figure these things out. But if you just if you just start on something that's really hard where the whole time you're you're in this deprivation zone. Right. Oh, yeah. It's mm-hmm. going to be hard to think about anything else because you're like. I don't know if I feel good. I'm hungry. I, I, you know, I don't know if I feel good. All I want to do is eat a bunch of potato chips, but instead I'm eating only chicken breasts. Right. <laughs> so I feel like and be, being hungry is not a nice feeling. Right. It's just not. I mean, you feel deprived. You kind of have this insecurity feeling and you, you can deal with it for a bit, but after a while it does get annoying and it affects the way you think you make bad choices when you're hungry. So in our program, like we, we said, is we, we don't want people to get hungry. We want them to become friends with their hunger, to really start to understand like the fine nitty gritty of like, when am I overly sat at too much? When am I too hungry? And um, 
Like it's, I think, honestly, believe hunger is an unbelievable tool that we've evolved over millions of years that we've kind of forgotten about and ignored. And it's something that you can get better at understanding. Um, if you're really mindful of it, you get it's like a skill, you know, like and it really is can be a fantastic guide to help you give confidence to trust your hunger to navigate you through this or always more complicated food landscape that we live in. And um, of course, it's not like we used to be, be a thousand years ago or hundred gatherers was much more simpler and it is more complicated now. We do have McDonald's everywhere and fast food everywhere. But like you said, there is solutions. And if you're listening to your body, your body will tell you after eating those foods, what really works best. And if you really care about making yourself feel your best, then you just naturally will move away from those choices. You might do every now and again, but ideally you're going to move towards makes you feel your best. You avoid those food hangovers. So you feel good. It feels good to feel good when your body wants to feel good. It's just as simple as that. But you've, yeah. you kind of have to get yourself to that place though. I the hunger is a weird one too for me because there I, I think I spent so long eating in such uh, ways that were harmful to my body that like the cues of hunger don't even always make sense to me. Like I don't always recognize them. You know, there's a point of hunger where it's like in your stomach and your stomach is saying, I need something here. And then there's other things with hunger where it's like, I don't have a lot of energy or I'm irritable, you know, mm -hmm. and these things like sometimes I'll get super irritable and I'll realize, oh, I missed a meal. And I didn't I didn't even have those cues. But now I'm like snapping at my kids. And why am I doing that? Oh, my God, I'm hungry. You know what I mean? Like even those things are still muddied for me today where I'm, I'm like have to be on it a little bit more and paying a little bit more attention. And it is so odd. And I think there are um, many unintended consequences in modernity where you go like, you know, if there's an abundance of cheap calories, nobody's going to starve to death or much fewer people are going to starve to death. And it's like, yeah, okay. But then what happens if we start using those cheap calories in a harmful way, right? And and then mm -hmm. get so disconnected from the uh, amount of the, the the vast amount of times that are bought time that our bodies genetically kind of instilled these hunger cues, right? Like you, you got to eat because food is scarce and hard to get. So you come across the berry bush, eat as many berries as you can take berries back to your tribe. Everyone eat these berries. Even if you just you know, slaughtered a goat and filled up on goat, your body's going to make room for the berries. But now when there's a convenience store at the end of your block and your body's saying, hey, there's berries in there, go eat all of them. You got to kind of beat that and go like, no, I don't need those right now. For sure. For sure. It's a, it's much more complicated. And then the foods have been designed to be more moorish. So you want more of them. Um, so they're engineered to be, to spark off those like, happy chemicals that makes us want to eat more food. So it is more complicated. So we need to advance our tools to deal with this so we can, we can navigate through it. There's a great one, a great a line that we always use um, from the diet. What's the, what's the, what's the forgotten name of the book now, actually, but it's, um, I'll come back to that one, but it's called, the guys use the line, I can have it if I want it, but do I really feel like it? And right. Rick Costman, that's what it is, Rick Costman. I can have it if I want it, but do I really feel like it? And that's such a simple line. I love simple. 
but it has so much in it. It's the realization you can have whatever you want. You know, you're not depriving yourself, but do you really feel like it? And often that's what it is. When you come back to your body, do you really feel like it? And if so, absolutely enjoy it. Um, and even when you're enjoying food, here's another one that people don't do. It's like they go to these fancy gourmet restaurants or they buy themselves foods, whatever they want. And they may pay attention for the first bite or two, but then after that, they're way chatting, they're not paying attention. And sure, the first slice of pizza always tastes good, but is the seventh slice of pizza going to taste the same as the first? No right. chance. No right. chance. You got to so, get through it quick or you're not going to eat it because it really <laughs> doesn't taste good anymore. But if you allow yourself to have it whenever you want, you know what? I don't have to have this seventh slice now because I can have it later when I'm hungry later and I'll be enjoy it more later. And that's where you have to like, there is a little mindset to the tricks you have to install to go like, we have food everywhere. It's abundant. And it's easy to take advantage of it. Um, but you've got to know, you've got to set the sort of idea that if you really feel like it, and often your body will let you know, simple as that, again, back to your body communication, your body says, look, I'm actually, I'm not, this tastes like cardboard right now. You know what I mean? I'm not tasting it. That's a sign. Don't need it. Listen yeah. to those signs. So what we have to say, we have to say with people when they're in the middle of a binge episode, and like you said, binging is all about not thinking and tuning out. What happens if you actually do? Tune out. And one of the tools we use is called the binge commentary. Again, really simple. And all you do is you just talk out loud what you're actually doing. So I'm opening up a packet of this. I am putting it in my mouth. And you're kind of just forcing your mind to be really mindful of the whole experience. And you'll find then that because you're actually there present at the moment, it's nowhere near as fun. It's right. nowhere near as enjoyable. And you're starting to realize like, this is not really like, I, I'm doing this to get my mind away. Why am I doing this? But then you start to think, well, if you don't want to even be there, why are you doing it? Like if your mind doesn't want to be, enjoy this experience, why you, you don't go to the cinema to tune out and don't pay attention to the movie. But for some reason in the middle of a binge episode, we do tune out and we're not really being aware of the food. So little things like that can make you realize, you know, maybe it's not what you need. Maybe it's yeah. not what you're really looking for. I really like that. I like any of these physical. We we just talked to a gal who who had a physical cue to give your body, and you do a physical action that kind of um, sets you up for something mental. But this is great, like talking through, uh, forcing yourself to talk through something that is really mostly about being uh, absent, right? Being kind of. Uh, in this blind um, kind of really base debaucherous experience of consumption and going like, no, no, I have a way to make myself present for this and thinking about mm -hmm. it by speaking it, by like narrating it. That's wild. And, it, dude. and if you can do it and as non-judgmental as possible, you're not there to pick on yourself or poke yourself just to observe, just to really go, what, what actually is going on? Because people can do this for years and never really observe. And even that's that's a great start just to observe it and go. And then maybe afterwards you think, did I really, was that a really pleasurable experience? Did that give me real joy? Um, and that's even that's just a starting point to weaken that connection, weaken the desire. So even a big thing we say when people actually do start a binge as well, people think they have to finish a binge. Whatever's there, has to, we have to get it all. Even the idea of going, like you don't have to consume it all there can be a point you can choose a halfway point perhaps you go take a breather and see if that's enough um so even doing that is a nice way to perhaps reduce the intensity reduce how much you're eating 
And then you can gradually dwindle down to smaller and smaller amounts. That's amazing. Well. Yeah. I did, uh, as you were saying that, I was like, oh yeah, I'd totally narrate mine in a super judgmental way and then almost be able to continue doing it simply because I was, I'm, I'm a piece of shit. And so, mm-hmm. but I think, I think you do have to, I think that the way to do that is to be non-judgmental, and and it's it's I, I think that could jolt me out of it. And then the idea about um, being okay to not finish everything. This was another thing I was going to bring up because there's so much today with the idea of like waste. Like waste seems bad, but this is just a rationalization for consuming more, right? Because I don't want to waste stuff. Where we just know that a massive amount of of food is wasted in our countries anyways, right? There is a lot of waste. And so like one of my rationalizations was always like, well, I don't want to waste anything. So I'm going to consume all of it. And then, you know, even I'll consume what my kids didn't consume. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You don't clean the plate, eat all your food, clear your dinner. Yeah. We, we grew up with that as well. And it's very common. And that, that, that's such a small, it sounds like a small thing, this idea of going out, oh, you have to clean your plate. But again, I mean, it's something you can just do as a habit for years without ever second guessing it. And then going, actually, do I really have to need to? And of course, then the guilt kicks in that's wasting food. Um, but in a way, you know, you're throwing the food down the sink or the bin, wherever your trash compactor. Um, but instead, you're throwing it down yourself. And that's not a waste because you're, you're eating it. Um, are you are you seeing yourself as a waste basket or waste bin to throw the food in? That's another way of thinking about it. Right. Are you yeah, for sure at that, that point? Are you getting anything useful out of those calories? Like, are they helping you? Yeah. So again, even again, super simple tips as always is like a speed bump. If you're on your plate, you get half your plate and eat half, and then just put the knife and fork down and have a breather for like two three minutes. Just talk to your family get off for a walk around and then you're given your chance for your body to see how you really feel. And then you go, do you know what? I'm still hungry. You can come back to the plate or maybe you're full and then just, you know, give yourself permission to set it aside. And if you need to, you can put it in the fridge and have it the next day. Um, but these little small strategies can all add up to really help to um, just get you back in control. And I can say always back to the body, back to be able to listen to what your body really needs. Yeah. I've, I've talked to my wife and, and I do, I, I, I like that you are trying to put the agency on it, it, give people agency and autonomy over themselves and, and tools. And, and I think that is super useful. I have said to my wife is, you know, over like holidays, Christmas or Thanksgiving we have here, which is just all about gluttony. Um, like if I've had a plate of food and you see me on my second or third plate, please just take it away from me. And so there have been times where I'm sitting there and all of a sudden my plate just goes whoop and is, is gone. And I look at her and I, and there's maybe a, a spark of like, what the hell are, and then I go, Oh, thank yeah. God. She's taking this away. Yeah. Thank you. And yeah. then I'm good. You know, um, <laughs> that's not me being responsible for myself, but like, for I sure. also think like it's useful to have people on your team, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, it, it, food's complicated. Um, you know, it's not just calories in calories. Out. It's not just for energy. There's it's culture. It's, it's, sitting around a table of family it's thanksgiving like you just said um there's so much to it and it's a complicated thing 
And for sure, I think there has to be at least a, a proportion of a percentage of that has to be a meeting just for enjoyment. That has to be part of it. I think yeah. no, it doesn't have to be at all for sure. If it's all of it, then you're going to feel the consequences and it's not going to be great. But if you deprive yourself of that enjoyment as well, then there's going to be consequences because eventually you will eat those foods that you're not allowing yourself to have. It will happen eventually. And then when you do eat it, you're not going to be in the mind frame to really enjoy it because you're feeling guilty, because you're not really paying attention, because you're trying to eat as fast as possible. So you, you can get it down you. So it's much better to have a little bit of candy over a long period of t- time rather than all the candy at once. Right. And again, like I said, this was this is the point we're getting back to. It's it's it is a complicated thing. There's no right or wrong. If you can go easy in yourself, a bit of self-compassion, if you can communicate with your body, you can sort of navigate your way through this. And that's why people again come back to diets because they just want to be told what to do because this yeah. can be it's not it's not an easy solution. I um, I, I think I think I, I agree, and I think that the uh, no matter how hard the diet is, right? I think that at the end of the day, that is going to be easier, and people do just want to be told what to do, and I think that's why diets there's it's like such a multi billion dollar industry and and we see these new newer and newer versions of diets where, where where to me they're just shockingly stupid right where it's like you know i'm gonna sell you on this tonic and doing x with your food and all of your problems will be gone and it's like they make money on repeat business you know what i mean none of these you- things are, are are making money because they're solving anything do you find that if you go on different diets, all the food rules start to add up and they start to merge? Like, for example, in one diet, I'm not allowed to have bananas, but in this diet, I'm allowed to have not allowed to have, I know, fats. And do you find that you're getting less and less foods altogether that you're allowing yourself to have? Well, this or is really- a, this is another huge problem I, I've had personally where I enter into something and I think I know a lot about it because I've been on 30 diets and there is the diet that says bananas are bad and papayas are good. And then I get on this other diet that says papayas are bad. And I'm like, no, on that, I know they're wrong about that. So I'm going to do everything that diet says to do, but I'm going to also eat papayas, even though they don't like papayas. And then it's like, well, now I'm not even doing the diet. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. now I'm cheating on the diet. You, you know, I could see this on, um, more clearly on like keto and carnivore and, and, and those type of things where it's like, well, keto says carbohydrates are bad, but carnivore says you can eat as much honey as you want. And so how, how do I find the happy ground in there? And I'm like, guys, none of that really matters. Right. I, I do think that like, if you're eating a bunch of processed food and you stop eating a bunch of processed food, I think you'll probably feel better. And so if you feel better and you're eating food that makes you feel better, good, that's a positive. But if you're, if you're still eating in a way where you're like, I I must avoid seed oils and anything with seed oils in it. And it's like, guys, uh, you know, two drops of toasted sesame seed oil on your food to give it an Asian flavor that's not going to make you fat. You know what I mean? Like this is, these are kind of these dogmatic principles that I find to be really, really stupid. And we find people that come to us, they do kind of absorb 
food rules from all the different diets. And oft, sometimes you have people that just, the amount of foods that they allow themselves to eat is so restrictive. Right. You know, uh, it's the safe foods is like from some salads, some rice cakes, and it's just not feasible. There's, there's no wonder they've got themselves trapped in a little box. And you know what I mean? And that's just the add on effect from cumulative diets over the years. Yeah. No, I, safe. I have had that for sure. And in this iteration of me, nothing is really off limits. I will say if I'm in the gym exercising and I feel super low energy, some, some processed sugar will make me feel better, will make that gym experience better, and will have no after effect. This is what I've found to be true for myself. If at almost any other point in the day, I consume something with processed sugar in it, I'm going to wind up feeling crappy. So I just never do. That's like not something I, if I'm in the gym and I want a Gatorade and I'm, and I'm struggling in the gym, that Gatorade is going to help me. If I was to have that Gatorade at four o'clock in the afternoon while I'm watching TV, I'm going to be passed out and feeling gross. So this is just how that's I it. live. I think, I think you've got it. You've got it. You've got the insight, your understanding, your body and it's, it's a trial and error process as well. I'm sure sometimes you did have the foods that are going to affect you and you'll learn from it. I mean, the only way, that's the only way that from now on forward is up. You know I mean? You're always going to learn more. You get better understanding how your body works. I think that's great. It's a great place to be. Yeah. And, and, you've, been, you've been on some journey, you know, and it's, um, it's been a crazy And it's impressive. Journey. Really, it's impressive. And it's great you having this podcast and you're sharing with us with people and you're talking about your struggles and, and you're being really open and honest. And it's, it's a great thing, really is. Yeah. And, and again... If somebody isn't going to feel good drinking Gatorade in the gym, I'm certainly not telling them they have to drink Gatorade. You know, I have uh, mm. my sister-in-law really believes that um, any amount of MSG in her food is going to give her the flu. She believes this. I have snuck MSG into her food. And when she didn't know it was there, there was no reaction. And so maybe I'm a prick for doing that. But this was my own trial on that stuff you know what i mean and 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 so i go i i would actually agree, like not agree but i know msg food for me like if i go out for a chinese over here it's just full of msg and i enjoy the chinese but the next day my food hangover right um gluten, if i have gluten i had gluten the other day it covered and then for two days my throat was getting all i think the older i get the more allergies i get and milk now is another one um and again, but that's just me responding to like learning what works and what doesn't work again. Back to the same idea. Exactly. Um, but maybe MSG. I mean, it's, yeah, maybe. I'm just, I'm <laughs> maybe, just. Maybe we should like, get my wife to sneak some gluten in my foods when I don't know about it and see. Yeah, and see you, if it's just you never know. Exactly. I, 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 I was mostly busting her chops, but there, she had the same thing. She took a little data from this nutritionist and a little mm. data from this nutritionist. And her diet is like, she can barely eat anything. And, and, and if she's not getting the stuff from a certain type of store, it's even bad. And, and, you know, and there's all these restrictions and she's kind of still miserable when she eats. And, and, and so I, I just go like, maybe get rid of that and only react to how, what your body's telling you. Right. It's not, it's not what 40 different doctors have said, because how come they only got that one thing right? You know what I mean? If they got everything right, just do only their program. But it's little bits from this place and that place. And, and so I had to just kind of go like, I'm going to ignore 
all of that, all of what I've been told from, from all of these different sources and just figure out what is right for me. So I, I would call that food freedom where you're dropping all the food rules, what you should and shouldn't eat. And instead you're becoming your own guru. You're listening to yourself. And I think that's the most important thing you could do. Um, yeah. You're bringing it back to you. You are the captain of your own ship. You're guiding your own journey. And that's a powerful place to be. And that builds your confidence around food, your understanding of it, um, and your enjoyment as well. You know, right. you're going to eat for a way that feels right for you. And by not having anything that you're restricted from, I mean, for example, you know, if you're allowing yourself to have some chocolate every day or an apple, but you like both of them equally, eventually, the chocolate bar is going to be probably just as appealing as the apple. Sometimes you want the apple. Sometimes you fancy a bit of chocolate. It's only when you complicate that relationship when you tell you can't have it. You know, you were so young, you were like five years old. And that's like telling the five-year-old, don't play with the red truck. You can play with any toy, but not the red truck. Right. Just not that. And of course, it's the most interesting toy. Yeah, exactly. And then when the parents are looking, they're going to sneak a go of the red truck. And it's so exciting. They shouldn't be doing this. And it's, then you're, you're, complicating the relationship you know it's not just food anymore so it's a way of getting back to that getting back to the simplicity of what the experience is yeah but you know it sounds like you're doing great i'm um, doing i'm some, i'm very happy right now <laughs> i mean and, and and it is it is i still think a work in progress it's something i i it's a journey yeah a journey. it is a journey i i think that that considering it a journey it was always a destination. Weight loss was always a destination. And when I think about it in terms of a journey, it, it becomes a different thing. It really is just, it's mm -hmm. a work in progress. You know, like my I relationship think... with my wife, marriage wasn't the end of our relationship. It's always going to be something that we are, we have to figure out time away from our kids. We have to do something that's for us. We have to do, we have to work on this relationship. The minute you stop, the relationship starts to wither. So like, mm -hmm. why would your body be any different? Are we just done working on our bodies? Like it's, you know, and maybe for the normal people who don't have to think about this, that they don't have to think about this, but that's not my lot. You are normal. <laughs> that's what we always say, just how a normal body works in this world. You know what I mean? Right. Has side effects to it. But that's a, that's a great point about, you know, it, it was for a lot of people, it's this, destination you get to this weight for the wedding or whatever's up when i when i get to this place then i'll be happy right. when i get to this place then i'll allow myself and 99 percent of the time when they get there they find that they're still the same person they were back there just yeah. might look different in the mirror and it's a bit of a realization it can be a disappointment for people going i'm still me you know just in a slightly different body and often when they get there too, as you know, it's just not sustainable, whatever image they're going for. And if they fall back, you know, I'm just speaking to one client recently who was losing a lot of weight for a wedding and then had all the sort of binge or binge eating became afterwards and started to really affect her. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. And uh, this idea of making it a journey rather than a destination and just coming back to it, it's just it's a powerful idea. Yeah. Um, you're not trying to get anywhere. And it gives you permission to enjoy yourself now. Enjoy the experience now. You don't have to be happy down there. You can find enjoyment now. Yeah. Um. Today. Um. Amazing. I come from a yoga mindful background. I love all this stuff. I <laughs> yeah, love I it too. It, it, it took me a while I, for a long time. The idea of mindfulness really was like uh, grating to me, but I do. I completely agree with you. It is something it's, that it's a loaded practice, word. Yeah. It's a loaded word and it's used, it's flowing around everywhere nowadays. It's there was this really easy solution for everything. And it's not. Mindfulness is challenging. It's work. And it brings up stuff. And it's work, for sure. Um, but it, it can have its benefits. But this idea that it's just a simple thing to do, to just sit down and just be with yourself, is not. It's challenging. Yeah. Um, it does take, like, I think, a good, good mindful teacher or a good, I don't know, yoga teacher to guide you through it, it can certainly help. Yeah. I, I, but, I, um, I will say the scariest place on earth for me is my own mind. So this idea that it's going to be super easy to just be with myself is not true. I suffered from really bad anxiety for about five years. I thought I was losing my mind and I was terrified of myself, terrified. The last thing I'd want to do is stop for a millisecond, just kept running, running, running. Um, And yoga and mindfulness was a big part of that. And realizing that, you know, I was just afraid of feeling the sensation of being afraid. Yeah, And I was just afraid of uncomfortable feelings. And I've learned to then just, you know, over the time to be okay with being uncomfortable, like I mentioned earlier, was a big, big thing. Um, And realizing that, you know, it's just a feeling. It's just a body sensation. It's not going to stay there forever. And, you know, I always like in mindfulness to like meeting an old friend. Um, so you hadn't met them in 20 years. Initially, it's awkward. Like you're meeting yourself and it's awkward. You don't know, how do I, how do I, oh, how do I work with this person? But over time, those start to get comfortable. Those start to get smooth. And ultimately, though, like ultimately boils down, it's probably one of the most important things in your life because you are improving your relationship with yourself. Like this is your life and you're understanding yourself better. And by communicating with your body, listen to your body, you have a better understanding of what makes you happy, of what really makes you tick. It gives you more clarity in your life. You can make decisions from a place with more insight and more wisdom. And it's a simple thing, just being mindful of sensation, but it can guide you in the right direction. So your life is more fulfilled, more satisfied. You know, when you're hugging the kids, you get more of a feeling of like joy from it. 
And it's and it, it, it's the simplest practice. Well, it's a complicated practice, but it's a simple idea. But I do believe, um, I'm a firm believer in, in the, the benefits of it. Sorry, I'm going to go on a rant there. I apologize. No, <laughs> I'm completely with you. And, and I totally agree. I do think it's gotten, or it's gotten, a, it's gotten thrown around in a way where it's like, do this really easy thing and and i don't think it's easy i think it is a practice and it's work and it takes effort and when done in that way it's super super rewarding for sure for yeah. sure richard thank you so much this has been an awesome conversation thank you. it was a joy and now for the q a here's a question from brandon hi brandon Brandon says, hello, Ethan. I am very inspired by you and your story. Listening to your journey, it seems that you've had many ups and downs, but when you made a decision to get and stay on track, it sounds like the love and support of your wife really helped. I've struggled with my weight all my life. I find myself at 41 wanting to finally get it right. At my heaviest, I was 305, and now I'm about 285. And then he says he's 5'8". The problem is I'm going through a separation, likely divorce. I also have recently changed jobs to a seven-day swing shift schedule and still trying to be a present father to my 10-year-old son, all of which are causing chaos in my eating habits, sleep schedule, and just life in general. My support system is non-existent, and I feel like I'm stuck in a cycle of motivation when I listen to your podcast and other materials like Can't Hurt Me from David Goggins or Atomic Habits. I get a blast of motivation and drive, but as soon as life gets in the way, I stray from my diet and workouts only to have to dig deeper to get back on track. Any advice on how to navigate the inevitable chaos of life all while trying to stick to a regimen? Yeah. So I made the regimen my goal. I kind of got rid of having the goal be, you know, like with sobriety for me, um, there's no, there's no day that I've reached where I'm 10 years sober. So I made it. And the the goal is today. Today is the goal. The Mm. goal is being sober today. The goal is sticking to my eating plan today. So I'm just trying to win that day and having the regimen itself be the goal. Um, And I found that I have to reacquaint myself with that goal all the time. This is not something that um, I I just know it every day. I, I, I mean, I know it in so much as I can remember it and recall it and reacquaint myself with it. But I do quite often have to go like, oh, my God, what are we doing? What, what is the plan? Okay. Yes, this is the plan. Um, cause there's a lot of noise in my head. You know, I, I, I don't want to think I'm special with like multiple personalities or anything like that, but there are so many voices in my head telling me to do so many different things. And I kind of got to pick the one and remember which one I was having success with and go with that one. Right. And so the guy who's saying go to McDonald's or the guy who's saying, you know, who knows, order Thai food right now on Postmates, where the fuck did that voice come from? But he's new, but there he is. That's what he's (laughs) telling me to do right now. And I got to tell him to shut up and find that voice that has this plan that I've been succeeding at and follow that guy who is still maybe me or some part of me. Um, that, that is really all I do. And then it, it is, 
unbelievably helpful uh, that I have a wife who loved me very much before I did any of this um, and has been my biggest cheerleader the whole time and has supported me. And, uh, you know, when we eventually had four kids and I had gained and lost a bunch of weight, which she never really had any, um, like there was no sign of her wanting anything for me more than just for me to be happy and successful with what I was trying to do. And then there was one day where I had ruptured my bicep doing a television show called chance. And we went to the doctor and I was going to have to have surgery to repair it. And the doctor said, Oh, we have to weigh you. And they weighed me and they said, shit, you know, normally we like to do this as an outpatient thing in the surgery center, but because of your weight, you're just over the line. And now you have to go do it in a hospital. And when we got in the car, my wife turned to me and she said, look, I don't care if you gain weight or lose weight, but you have to be under the weight that has to go to the hospital to have this minor surgery. That is a demand I'm making. And we'd been married for 15 years at that point. Right. Right. And I looked at her and I went, fair enough. (laughs) So now officially I have at least a number in my head. And this was a long time ago. This was in 2016. I said, well, good to know. That's my, I got to get my weight under there and keep it under there and now have a new motivating factor. And as I did that, I went, you know what? I I want to actually be much lighter and maintain it. And I, and then I started figuring all of that out. Right. So I, I cannot lend you my wife. I will not lend you my wife. She cannot because she doesn't care about anyone as much as she cares about me, which is the only reason it means anything to me. Right. And I can't say that I know how to do that for you. I don't know how to create that that magic that my wife gives me. And and I feel very bad even saying it, you know, I want to say it's just all about me and hard work. And it's not because, because I don't think any of us function alone. It's about the people we surround ourselves with and the people we're talking to and the people we're, you know, we're in a tribe with and who we're considering our confidants and, and who we're, we're, um, you know, looking up to and who we're setting an example for. And it's all of that. It plays a big part in it for a long time. I had none of that. I had no other people. It was just about me. And then, and when it was just about me being 550 pounds was okay. And doing drugs was okay. And having no real moral barometer was all fine. Cause it was just me and everything else was meaningless. And then I found some people that I really care about who were kind to me and decent. And, 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 you know, so my only suggestion or how to approximate that is like, find people. You got to go talk to people to find them, you know, or find a support group online or something like that. Um, Not to be too heavy handed with my pitching our Patreon, but we got a really kick-ass group on the discord who are 
a good, solid group of people that only want success for one another. And I love talking to them, you know? So I don't know. That's my answer. What a great, yeah. I love everything you said. I, I mean, you really had me, <laughs> but it just, you really like, that was awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Such valuable advice. And I didn't know that story actually about, you know, Brandy going, okay, this is the number, <laughs> you know? And that was 15 years in where she didn't yeah. have a number before that. And she didn't give a shit about numbers at all. You know, yeah. you weigh what? Okay, great. You weigh this now. Okay, great. She didn't care yeah. when I would diet. She was fully supportive when I would not diet. She didn't give me dirty looks. Yeah. You know, it was all okay for her. But 15 years in, when we have four kids and she goes like, why, why does he have to go to this hospital? And they say, because it's more dangerous at his size to have an operation. And we cut the line here. I think it was 350 pounds. Mm -hmm. When you're over 350 pounds, it gets a lot more risky. And mm -hmm. she was like, motherfucker, <laughs> listen, I don't want risk. I wasn't thinking about that. Yeah. I just love you. And so in loving you, I want less risk. So get your weight under that. I don't care if it's a pound under. Yeah. But she wanted a little cushion, actually. She even said, <laughs> she like said that. She said, I don't care if it's a pound under. And then she came back to it a little later and went, you know what? A pound isn't good enough. Because what if you have salt that day and then you're accidentally two pounds over and then you don't make the cutoff and you have to go to the hospital? I don't want that shit. So it had to be you know, a, a fair cushion under 350 simply to avoid hospitals. That was her. That was the only time she ever asked me to lose weight. Yeah. And I said, fair enough. The 10,000 times that my parents asked me to lose weight only pissed me off. The times that my friends expressed concern about me only upset me. Sitting next to Jim Caviezel on a plane for multiple hours with him telling me I wasn't emulating Jesus Christ enough and therefore was going to hell. That really bummed me out. And in fairness, I think he was doing it from a, a place of goodness. You know, he wasn't trying to bum me out. He was trying, you know, whatever. I don't yeah. need to rationalize his stuff. But the only person who's ever had a conversation with me about weight was already married to me for 15 years. And yeah. there, and then, it, and then I thought like, yeah, she has the right to say that to me. She's invested. Yep. That makes perfect sense. I love that. Yeah. Thank you for that. And thank you for the question. If anyone else has a question that they'd like Ethan to answer, please email it to us at americanglutton.net. Thanks for listening to this episode of American Glutton. I'm Ethan Suplee. You can follow us on Instagram at American Glutton Podcast. Sincerely.